wouldn't mind turning to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. If you're using a Bible here, it's on page 1188. Back in 1991, I was in my early 30s, and I was living, my bride and I and our three children, we were living in Indianapolis, Indiana. We were living in the northeast of the city. We were going to a small um, Calvary Chapel there, and we heard that Promise Keepers was coming to town. And... I really didn't know much about Promise Keepers, but it was a a men's gathering. And I heard there was going to be a lot of people there. It was actually in the RCA Dome. And the RCA Dome at the time fit 56,000 for a football game. But this had all of the the field was, you know, covered with seats. So it's probably 60-some thousand people that were going to go to these Promise Keeper event. So a friend of mine from the church, Mark Johnson, We said we got to get there early. We stood in line, and as soon as the doors opened up, we got in. We basically ran to the front so we could get seats right up in the front. So if you could picture this big stadium, I sat right at the end right there, and, and Mark sat next to me. And we had some of the most amazing speakers that came. Tony Evans was one of them, and maybe you've heard of him. Jack um, Heiford, um, Howard Hendricks. Some of these guys went to be with the Lord already. Um, Joe Stoll, he was the president of uh, Moody Institute. Even, a, even a, a senator came, Dan Coates. And I remember the place got quiet. Like, what's, what's this guy going to say? And he got up to the microphone. He was only there for a few minutes. But he said, the government cannot solve your problems. Politicians cannot solve your problems. The only one that can solve your problem is Jesus Christ, and the place went like nuts, right, of you know, what, he, what he said. And we, we know that's true today. Um, I'm telling you this story because in the middle of all of these things that were going on, somebody works their way down the middle of the aisle of this massive stadium with thousands of people, thousands of men there, and they put their chair in the middle of the aisle right next to me. They just put it right there in the middle of the aisle. And I'm, I look at him. He looks at me. He smiles and, and he says hello. He says to me, these are pretty good seats, you know. Um, you know, yeah. And I was thinking in my head, um, yeah, I stood in line for hours, you know, to, to get these seats. And inside of me, I'm saying... Who is this? Who is this? Now, who it was, was one of the upcoming speakers. And he wanted to get a feel for the place, so all of a sudden, he ended up getting up. His name was Gary Smalley, and he went to be with the Lord. He got up on the stage, and, you know, he, he gave his presentation. And I, uh, I just didn't know who was, I was sitting with. 
In, in today's story, it's the same situation. Jesus says to this woman, this sinful woman, that your sins are forgiven. And we're going we're gonna to read that in a second. And those that sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Today, I want to look at some unique qualities of Jesus to, that's demonstrated in this section of Scripture that should make us love him and know him more. So we'll know who, who he is. Who is this guy? So let's pray before I read this, this section of the, of the Scripture. Father, we truly thank you for your word. And we thank you even now as we begin to read your word that you would allow your Holy Spirit to open our minds and our eyes and our hearts that we would just see you in new ways, fresh ways, ways that apply individually to each one of us. Lord, you can do that with your word. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. I am going to read all the way to 50. Context-wise, okay, in the life of the ministry of Jesus, John the Baptist has not been executed yet, so you can figure this is early part of Jesus' ministry. Then, verse 36, one of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now, one, the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this. He spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Verse 40. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii, the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he, Jesus, said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet from the time she came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, 
Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, this story is unique and only recorded in the Gospel of Luke. This event takes place at the home of Simon the Pharisee. We find out the Pharisee's name in verse 40. Jesus says, Simon, I have something to say to you. So this, only, this event only takes place in the Gospel of Luke. There's, and it probably took place in Capernaum, even though it's not recorded here. In the Gospel of Mark and in the Gospel of Matthew, there are recorded similar incidents where a woman, a woman anoints Jesus' head, okay? And that was in Simon the leper's home. In the Gospel of John, the sister of Lazarus, Mary, also anoints Jesus' feet, okay, with oil. Now, we know that Mary, Lazarus' sister, was a righteous person. So those other events have nothing to do with this one, and I just want, want to make that clear. What is very important to this, and I'm going to point out six different things that I see from looking at these scriptures of who this is, okay, who is this that, that sat at the table with them and they didn't realize it? And in verse 36, I don't want you to miss this. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him and Jesus went. Simple, right? Jesus was available. I mean, that's pretty simple, right? He was available. The Pharisee asked him, he went. We don't see it here asking What's for dinner? We don't see him asking, like, who else is coming? He was asked, and he went, because Jesus is available. Not only was he available to the Pharisees that asked him, but he was also available to the whole town. Because in those days, when a, when a traveling rabbi or some important person come to town, comes to town, the word would spread quickly. They didn't have... Uh, movie theaters and, and um, um, television sets. So that was entertainment. So they would basically, the word would spread fast with this traveling rabbi, important person come to town. So now everybody would gather around the house. The person, the host, oftentimes would be kind of proud that they're having this visitor in their home so they would have it in the courtyard or they would have it in a very open area so everybody could see and hear the conversation. This would explain how she was available, this sinful woman was, Jesus was available to this sinful woman where she had access uh, to him. We, we don't know why the Pharisee asked him. We don't. I mean, he could have asked him because he wanted to know more about Jesus's ministry. I mean, it's possible. It's also possible that he asked him so he could watch him closely and possibly have some 
accusation against him, you know, about something that he did. So it's, it's not written here, so it just be speculation. What we do know, though, but what we also don't know exactly is why did she come, okay? Now, we knew she knew he was there. It said when she knew that he was there, she went, right? She came. But why did she come? If you look at the harmony of the Gospels, we might have a clue. Because as, as this story um, in, in its chronological order, right before this, Right before this, Jesus told a crowd, right before this event, Jesus told a crowd, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So it's believed that she possibly heard that, and that was the point of her change of heart and repentance that, that made her say, you know what, I, I, I'm weary. I need rest. This is, I'm going I'm to do what I can to get to this guy. Jesus was available to her. Now, not only was Jesus available, but get this, he was approachable. And approachable is someone that's open and friendly, welcoming, Okay. It's, it's, it's who he was. Now, and, and notice this, right? In verse 38, and, and, I'm, and I'll explain this. It said, and, and basically she stood at his feet behind him weeping, right? Now, and, and, um, when you think of us in modern day time, our feet are in front of us when we're, when we're sitting down. So how could she stand behind him? In, in those days, they had the lower tables, a triclinium. It was like a three-sided table. The person serving would go in the middle and, and pass out the, the, the stuff that they were eating. People would lay on cushions, and they would basically recline, leaning on their left elbow, eating with their right hand. Their feet would be behind them, okay? So that's how she was able to stand at his feet weeping. I, I don't even think that she said to herself before she got there, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to weep and, and I, you know, then I'm going to, my tears, I'm going to wash his feet. I think it was spontaneous. She, she went there and then just getting in his presence, she just like lost it. She broke down. She went there with the intention of anointing him, but then the tears just started flowing when she's just like, I'm in the presence of somebody so great, somebody that can give me rest. And she just started weeping. And then she washed his feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair. Then she started kissing his feet, and then she started anointing them with oil. Now, get this, okay? I don't want you to miss this. What Jesus didn't do is what I want you to pay attention to. He did not recoil. He did not, you know, push her away. No. He was open to her. He was approachable. So not only Jesus was available to the Pharisees and to the town, but he was also approachable to this sinful woman. In verse 39, we also see that Jesus is all-knowing. 
He, he knows everything. He, uh, in verse 39, we see that Simon, he spoke to himself. So he didn't say this out loud, but he spoke to himself. This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And, and you're not, Simon? You're not a sinner? See, we have a, we have a way of categorizing sin, you know, we, we all sin, right? But we're not as bad as, you know, this guy over here. So we, we, we categorize kind of looking down at people because we're, we think we're, we're better because the sin that we have is, is not so bad as that sin. But we've all sinned. Jesus knew Simon's prideful, self-righteous heart. But he also knew the woman's broken heart. He, he, knew, he knew both. Jesus knows everything. In Psalm 139, and if you read it in its entirety, it's beautiful. But it says, you, referring to God, know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path, my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. It's comforting that whatever struggle you're going through, no matter what it is, he knows. He's all-knowing. So not only is he available, approachable, but he knows everything about you. Next, we see that Jesus is a, a loving, gracious teacher. We see in verse 43 that he actually commends Simon for his answer. Right? He, you know, oh, I suppose the one who, that you forgave more. And Jesus says, you have rightly judged. We don't see Jesus being angry. We don't see him being mad at Simon. He just basically um, tells him this real simple parable, two, two, two verses where one, one creditor, two debtors, both owed money. One owed 500 denarii, which is a denarii is like a day's wage. So it's like 500 days of work. And, I, and, I, and I, when I looked it up, it's like skilled work. So 500 days of skilled work. The other owed 50 denarii, which is 50 days of skilled work. One owed 10 times more than the other. They both owed. Verse 42, neither could repay. But the creditor freely forgave them both. Jesus asked the simple question, um, which of them would love more? And then Simon says, well, I suppose the one that was forgiven the most. Jesus uses this parable to teach those at the table a simple lesson about God's unmerited forgiveness towards us. Unmerited, undeserved. In the parable, Jesus told, there's one creditor. That creditor represents God. There's two debtors. Those two debtors represent all of us. Because in Romans it says, for all have sinned, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody, okay? No matter the range of your sin, whether it's great or little, you're, you're somewhere in the middle. Of, you've sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Some owe a little, 
Maybe that's you. Some owe a lot. Maybe that's me. But all owe a debt. And and the debt of sin is death. It says in Romans also, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. None of us can pay the debt for our sins. And And the wages of those sins is death. But God, the creator, wants to freely forgive and to pardon us. He wants to do that. And in Romans, it also says, God demonstrated his own love towards us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ain't that beautiful? But like any pardon, you must accept it. I was reading an article, and in the article, it it has, and and I'm going to read parts of the article to you. In 1829, two men, George Wilson and James Porter, robbed the United States mail carrier. Both were subsequently captured and tried in a court of law. In May 1830, Both men were found guilty of six charges, including robbery of the man, of the male, and putting the life of the driver in jeopardy. Both Wilson and Porter received their sentence, execution by hanging, to be carried out on July 2nd of that same year. Porter was executed on schedule, but Wilson was not. Influential friends pleaded for mercy to the President of the United States, Andrew Jackson, on his behalf. President Jackson issued a formal pardon, dropping all charges. Incredibly, George Wilson refused the pardon. An official report stated Wilson chose to waive and decline any advantage or protection which might be supposed to arise from the pardon. Wilson also stated he had nothing to say and did not wish in any manner to unveil himself in order to avoid sentence. The U.S. Supreme Court determined the court cannot give the prisoner the benefit of the pardon unless he claims the benefit of it. It is a grant to him. It is his property that he may accept it or decline it as he pleases. Chief Justice John Marshall wrote, a pardon is an act of grace proceeding from the power entrusted from, with the execution of the Lord's but delivery not complete without acceptance. It may then be rejected by the person to whom it is tendered, and we have no power in the court to force it upon him. Now, those sitting at the table, I'm sure that whole story, they, they, got, they, they didn't get the, the whole depth of it, but I'm hoping today that you do. Okay, there's one creditor, which is God. All of us are bankrupt 
whether you owe a little or whether you owe a lot, none of us can pay it back. But the point is that we have a God, a loving God, that wants to give us a pardon, but we have to accept it. In verse 44, moving on to point number five, is that not only is Jesus available, approachable, all-knowing, a great teacher, a loving teacher. He also is a defender of the weak. In verse 44, he turned to the woman and said to Simon, so he's looking at the woman and he's talking to Simon. And he says, do you see this woman? Now, a Pharisee, which I really didn't get into much, they're, they're, they're self-righteous. They're the religious leaders of that time, and they were self-righteous. They would pride themselves at not looking at a Gentile, never mind a woman, never mind a sinner, okay? They would recoil themselves with their clothes. They wouldn't even want their, their robe to touch the person. Jesus said, do you see this woman? And we know that he did because when he, he looked at Jesus, he said, uh, wouldn't he know what manner of woman is touching him? So he saw what was going on. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with just common, regular oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with expensive, fragrant oil. Simon didn't do any of the common courtesies that was expected in that time, but this woman did. Jesus defends the woman it is Jesus' God's nature to defend the weak. In Psalm 82, it says, defend, He defends the poor and the fatherless. In Psalm 113, He raises the poor. He lifts up the needy. Throughout the life of Jesus, we see Him defending the little children. Let the little children come unto me. We see Him defending the woman caught in adultery. You who are without sin, cast the first stone. Basically, leave her alone. In Mary of Bethany, with the, the part where she poured the expensive oil on Jesus, Judas was complaining that money could have been sold, uh, sold and money given to the poor. And we know that he said that because he held the money bag. Jesus said, leave her alone. The poor you're going to have with you always. When the disciples were frightened, when Jesus was going to be arrested, Jesus tells the guards, you got me, leave them alone. Jesus defends the weak. So if you're feeling weak today, he's right there for you. As, the, as, this, as we're going through these scriptures, though, I'm getting to, I'm going to say the most important one, is Jesus is a forgiver of sins. Jesus is a forgiver of sins. Now, the storm starts in verse 37 and 38 when a woman comes in and starts washing Jesus' feet. 
the Pharisees are just like besides themselves. Like, what is going on here? But in verse 48, when Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, they probably want to come out, out of their bodies, right? They, 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 can't, they can't take it anymore. Not only is a sinful woman touching him, but now he's saying your sins are forgiven. This is the second time that Jesus says this. The first time he said it was a few chapters back. And you guys know this story. And in um, the, the town is escaping me right now. But, and, I, and I think it was Capernaum. But I'll, I'll have to look that up after. But four friends brought their crippled friend to Jesus. And there was a lot of healing going on. They heard it. A lot of people were gathering around. So four men got like, you know what? We're going to bring you to Jesus. We're going to bring you to Jesus, and he's going to heal you. But they get there, and it's just crowded. They, they couldn't get in. There was no way for them to get in. So they started thinking, you know what? I think if we go up around the roof, we'll move the tiles, we'll drop them down right in front of Jesus. And that's what they did. They, you know, there's a will, there's a way. They, so they got, they, lay, they lower the guy right before Jesus. Jesus looks up, he looks at him, and he says to him, uh, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees that were there, the Pharisees that were there, and I'm, and I'm reading from uh, uh, the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, the Pharisees started reasoning in their minds again, who is this who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? It's true, only God can forgive sins. But they thought Jesus was blasphemy. Jesus perceives their thoughts because he's all-knowing. He answers and says to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk? And we know the answer to that question. It's easy to say, your sins are forgiven. But it, but it goes on to say, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He says to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And people were just so excited about what just happened. Now the Pharisees, on the other hand, cringed. Why? Because they didn't know who this was that was sitting with them at the table then or in this story now. Now, how were her sins forgiven? That's a question. How were her sins forgiven? Jesus didn't, didn't die on the cross yet. So how could her sins be forgiven? Let me answer another question first, or ask another question first. How were the saints of the Old Testament saved? Okay? How were the saints of the Old Testament saved? They were saved because they believed in the promise of the coming Messiah. Do you guys agree with that? The Old Testament saints were saved because they believed in the promise of a coming Messiah. She was saved before the cross because she believed the Messiah's promise of rest. That's how she was saved. And 
just to be clear here in this verse 50, Jesus says to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, if he would have just said go, that would have been rude. But he didn't. He said go in peace. Why? Because your faith has saved you. It wasn't her expensive gift. It wasn't her weeping. It wasn't her kisses. It was none of that. It was your faith has saved you. How are our sins forgiven? Like the woman in today's story, it's by repentance. And what's repentance? It's changing directions, 180. It's 180 turnaround. Whatever you're doing, stop. That's what she did. Like the woman in the story, she was saved by faith. Her sins were forgiven by repentance, by faith. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But lastly, she had to accept the forgiveness. She had to accept the pardon. Back to George Wilson. George Wilson committed a crime, was tried and found guilty. He was sentenced for execution, but a presidential decree granted him a full pardon. When he chose to refuse that pardon, he chose to die. Reading this amazing story, we might wonder, how could anyone refuse a pardon for the sentence of death? But that, but what if you or I also are refusing a pardon, one enabling you or I to spend eternity in the presence of God rather than in, in eternity in separation from him in a place in the Bible called hell? In, in Romans, it says... If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What an awesome promise. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So as they sat around the table and they said inside themselves, they didn't even say this out loud, who is this who even forgives sins? His name is Jesus. That's his name. And he's our Savior, a loving Savior. How sweet it is for us today to have a Savior who is available, approachable, all-knowing, loving, gracious teacher, defender of the weak, and forgiver of sins. Now, you know, I I myself would love to also, and I would want encourage you to be available to people, approachable by people. um, All-knowing, that's a God thing. But loving, gracious, kind, defender of the weak, Forgiver of people that when they wrong us. That's, this, that's the example. I, I see Jesus so much better in this story today. And I, 
And that was my prayer for you, that you would just see him as who he is, just always reaching out, always available. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for just who you are. how you are available, and we're sorry, Lord, for the times that we just don't realize it or don't know it. We thank you that you're approachable and that we can just come to you, and we're, we're, we're also thankful, Lord, that you're all-knowing. You know us inside and out. We thank you when you, you teach us as we read your word. Thank you, Father, that you do defend the poor and the weak and the weary, and you lift us up to new heights. And we thank you so much, Father, that you forgive sins. And and right now, with every head bowed and eyes closed, I, I don't know everybody here, and but I definitely want you to know my Lord and my Savior, because he's just so wonderful. And if you've never, never accepted the pardon, the forgiveness that he's offering, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you to, to do that today, just to surrender, just as that, as that woman came because she was weary. I think the world can make us all weary and heavy laden, but we can find rest in him. So even now, in, in, the, in the inner being of your heart, you just cry out, Lord, I've tried so many different things, and I've failed. I come short so often, but please come into my heart, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins, my trespasses. Guide me in your truth. If you said that prayer and you you meant it, then I can say welcome to the family of God and to everybody else here we would just celebrate with you Father we do love you and we thank you for your word in Jesus name we pray Amen